All right, welcome to Peace of Mind Radio. I am Brian Rames along with Chris Vaughn and Eric Douglas. And we got a little bit different spin today. Um, this is actually is a article that Eric picked up. So, by the way, if you don't like the conversation we're having today, you can uh, text uh, or email, email Eric. I'll, email I'll be Eric. your fall guy. Yeah, yeah th- thanks. <laughs> so this is pretty interesting. Thanks. So we always talk stats and we talk, you know, kind of the market is always uh, repeating itself. And so this article is pretty interesting. We can we can give it to you. So if you want a copy of this article, and by the way, Eric's going to give uh, credit to the guy that wrote it because I can't remember it. I think it just came out, right? <laughs> so it was an article that was published. It was actually a blog post, as a matter of fact. Yeah. An advisor I follow out in New York, as a matter of fact, uh, Michael Batnick. This is a blog post that he wrote about the 20 craziest investment stats, basically. Yeah. And I, it had a lot of really good info. I want to make sure where credit is due, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're, we're, so we're not stealing an idea here and, and trying to pass it off on our own. But these stats, I thought, were really, really cool, really, really interesting, and very, very relevant as well to a lot of the things that we talk about on a daily basis. Yeah, absolutely. So the cool thing is is uh, we'll, we'll uh, put the link or our contact information will be right below this video. And if you want it, uh, send us an email, and we will make sure that you get a copy of this. It's pretty cool. So... Uh, and then we also have another piece I think we mentioned maybe in another podcast, maybe the one before this one or the one before that. I can't remember. But um, it was talking about, if you've ever seen it, I think it was the one, bef- uh, not this past one, but the time before that. Anyway, um, but we have a, there's a publication that we have. We have a copy of it here in the office that kind of does the same thing. Hopefully somebody will edit that part out. Um, nope, you're in. It's in there, man. <laughs> it's like my cough two there weeks you go. ago. I know, <laughs> uh, but no, it, it was what 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 it uh, it was the Time Magazine. You guys have seen it. Yep. That spreads out like seventy years and it shows oh, yeah. the covers of Time Magazine. How mm-hmm. all this drama happens yep. and the markets continue to go up. So anyway, this is kind of what we're talking about today. So what we're going to do is we're going to round robin this thing, um, and we'll just kind of go around the table. Chris hadn't said anything yet, so I know he's kind of itching to say something. I'm always so, itching to say something. I know. So we're going to let Chris go first. <laughs> And uh, we're just going to, again, kind of round robin it, and we're just going to put our own spin on these topics. So when we uh, mention a bullet point that's in here, it may not necessarily reflect exactly what the, uh, the author said. We're going to put our own spin on it. And so if you get the article and you say, hey, what you guys said wasn't exactly what the author said. Author. Did I say Arthur? Anyway, um, you, that, the reason why is because we chose to just take – our own spin, our own experience, and apply it to uh, the headlines or the topics. All right. So, All right. Chris, why don't you so go? So, I get started. All right. Let's see. Um, so, the first several that are on this list, I thought were all pretty similar. Uh, yeah. So, it's uh, the first one says since 1916, the Dow, so that's the Dow Jones Industrial Average, has made new all time highs less than 5% of all days, but it's up. 25,568% over that same time. And, and I think that's one of those things that we've seen so much on the news lately, a new all-time high, a new all-time high, because it's been skyrocketing over the last few years. But most days, you're not hitting that all-time high. It's dropping back down. It's that constant fluctuation. Um, and it even says on here, 95% of the time you're underwater. The less you look, the better off you'll be. And that's something that I've talked to clients many times about is if you are staring at your investments all day long, every day, if you're constantly checking it, you are probably causing yourself a lot of stress that there's not much you can do about. A good portfolio is designed for those ups and downs, right? Well, yeah, and I'll, I'll make a comment on that. Yeah, so, please. Um, I've had this question come up several times. So this is the business we're in. 
we watch this stuff all day long, every day. But for the most part, I, I would say that we spend the majority of our time in client meetings. So we're not yeah. staring at the, you know, the, all the trades and what's happening every day. I mean, we do get, you know, information that comes to us, you know, on a much, on a, on a frequent basis, but we're not staring at it every day. And as a matter of fact, I'll get the question, well, how often do you do something? How often do you change your portfolio or how often do you watch it? I literally, well, I look at mine maybe a couple times a month and that's about it. Yep. Cause all my stuff is buy and hold. So I buy it, I hold it, I do monitor it. And if I like ABC widget better than I do XYZ widget, mm-hmm. then I'll go change it out. But I don't watch it every day. I've got clients that literally watch mm-hmm. their portfolio. And, and, and every that's exactly day. the point. All they're doing is stressing exactly. themselves out. Yeah. I don't even do that. Right. And I'm in the business. Well, it's amazing right. how much more free time people have once they go to retire, right? Yeah. And so yeah, what, what, part, one of their part-time jobs at that point is figuring out what their investments are doing yeah. and how much <laughs> money they're making every day. Yeah, no, that's a good point. <laughs> all right, so I'm going to go on to the next one because yep. these are all kind of related. Um, the Dow has compounded at less than three basis points a day since 1970. Since then, it's up more than 3,000%. Right. So what that's saying is these little daily uh, ups that you get are very, very small. But the power of compounding interest is truly amazing. And I think it was you all correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was Einstein who actually said that the greatest invention of mankind is compounding interest Mm -hmm. because it's amazing what you can do. And, And we've all used that little technique where you're explaining to clients that don't understand interest. Would you rather have five million dollars? Or would you rather have one penny that compounds at 100% per day for a month? Mm-hmm. And in 31 days, that's $11 million. So yeah. that's the power of compounding interest. And if you look at it over time, that's exactly what happens. Well, I just want to clarify one thing, too, because yeah. you said three basis points. Mm-hmm. So for those that may not know what a basis point uh, specifically yeah, is, a basis point is 0.03%. Yeah. So you're talking about just a very tiny percentage uh, here. We're not talking about a lot. 100, basis, 100 basis points is 1%. It's 1%, right. Mm-hmm. Hey, Thank, could you, you. Could you uh, that second bullet point that you just made about this compounding interest, uh-huh. could you send that to my bank because they've done they forgot the compounding interest thing because yeah, I literally banks don't know what compounding interest oh is anymore God, it's <laughs> unbelievable i remember you know even just a couple of years ago just to the interest in my say you know i have like a savings account you know i was getting 15 16 17 18 dollars yep and now i literally get 90 48 cents or 60 some it's yep. like oh but anyway well i mean just a few <clears throat> years ago the the concept of of high yield savings accounts came out so these companies that are not your traditional brick and mortars offering savings accounts that offered more uh i was getting 3.1 percent on mine when i opened it uh, six or seven <laughs> yeah. years ago right now i'm getting 0.5 right the, because that's what interest rates are doing based upon the discount rate from the fed and all that stuff and that's another 0.5 is pretty so. solid the days anyway, of, the ahead. days of three percent interest on your savings yeah account. that's wow. that's long that's, gone yeah, so. yeah that's yeah, yeah. that's tough. um okay so the next one the dow has only been positive 52 percent of all days the average daily return is 0.73% when it's up and negative 0.76 when it's down. So I, I think the big thing there is it's, it's positive 52% of the time, so about half. So about half the time it's up and about half the time it's down. And that's where you get a good diversified pol- portfolio. Polio. I almost said polio. <laughs> yeah, that would be, that's a totally different We are way. struggling today. Well, let's hope our clients aren't getting polio. I haven't polio. had enough yeah. coffee yet. That's what it is. Um, but, you know, that's where you have to have a good diversified portfolio to take advantage of the ups and to not take as big of a hit on the downs because you're going to get about half and half. Yep. Um, 
And this also goes back to you know what you were talking about. Almost, you, you probably the best investors are the ones that lose the password to their online accounts. Yeah. So they can't <laughs> check them every day. Yeah. That's why you don't want to check it every day because literally half the time you go to check your accounts, they're going to be down yep. on a daily yep. basis. Yep. You, you have to. It's it's a long term <clears throat> game. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, okay, the Dow has spent more time, forty percent or more below the highs, than within two percent of the highs. I almost need the whiteboard to kind of graph that one out. We're not going to go there. Um, 20.6% of days versus 18.4% of days. So uh, that's a little little hard to wrap your head around for me without doing it visually. But basically what it comes down to is it says here, no pain, no gain. That's right. Right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're going to have a lot of down days, and yep. you need to be patient with those. As Eric just said, long play. Um, and then this one, I love this one, and I'm going to stop on this one. Uh, the Dow gained 38 points in the 1970s. That's shocking. That is stunning. But taking perspective that 38 points relative to where exactly the, to where the Dow was was as a still, percentage. It's, yeah. As a percentage, it's still a decent exactly. game. But so, still, you think 38 points over <laughs> over a 10 year period? That's well, but it's a percentage game though. So okay, right now the Dow is at 32,658. And in March of last year, we went down to, what, 18.7, something like that. So we're up 15,000 in one year, right? But if you think about back in the 1970s, how big did the Dow go in the first place? There were not as many things going on. There wasn't as much money being invested. Basic inflation. Uh, And we were talking about before the podcast, I remember when I was a sophomore in high school in 1986, 86, 87. um, My old. I, I am old, but you're one year older than me. So. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Yeah, I, I got the big one this year, and I know that that's probably going to get ugly. But, um, the, uh, I remember my world history teacher uh, talking about the markets and how they impacted history, and he said, did you all know that the Dow hit 2,000 today? I remember talking about that. It was either 86 or 87 because, like I said, I was yeah. a sophomore. So if you think about it, 38 points – out of 2,000 mm-hmm. is a much bigger percentage of the entire thing than what 38 points would be today. That's nothing. Yeah. It's also worth noting, too, when you look at these things from a historical perspective, what else was happening in the, the 70s and 80s around interest oh, rates? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You had, right? you had super inflation. You had massive interest rates. You had 18% for a mortgage, right? So well, you, you're paying, you know, you're paying 18 you know, in the high teens for a mortgage, but you throw your money in a savings account, and you were getting double digits exactly. on your CDs, right? That, yeah. Which doesn't exist today, which is why so much more money is flowing into the, the stock market, into equities, because you're not able to get those types of returns on your more traditional fixed, uh, fixed income investments. Yep. Excellent yep. point. All right, that's, that's everything I had. Who's next? All right, cool. Uh, I'll go because we're just going to kind of follow in line. All right. All right. So we get a lot of questions about indexing. What what index should you follow? Uh, we get lots of questions around that. So this is pretty interesting. It said, mm-hmm. you know, why, uh, you know, why am I using the Dow instead of the S and P five hundred? And really, they have the same correlation. It's yeah. a, within like 0.95 correlation, which means they're almost identical. Yeah. So the only one that uh, – and I'm going to get to where uh, – I'll get to the answer that we normally give clients. But uh, the Dow and the S&P are really years and years and years ago. You go back, you know, back in the 70s, for example, that probably was a more um, reflective of the overall market because the Dow is, what, 18, 19 positions, something like that. 30. I can't remember. 30, that's 30, right, yeah. 30, 30 positions. Uh-huh. That's right, 30 yeah. positions. And the S&P has 300. 
Oh, that's right. No, sorry. <laughs> no, that's a different podcast from that's way back when. Yeah, that's an inside joke, by the way. That's a uh, very inside joke. Yeah. But, yes. but if you think about it, if you only have, if you're only representative of the top 500 securities, yeah. uh, you're missing out on you know 5,000 other positions yeah. that you're not even covering. And that's not even including international. So, um, so which index should you which index should you watch to give you a more representative uh, representation of the overall market? So I'm going to let each of, you, each of you give sort of what you watch, right? I mean, you can watch the Dow, the S&P, the NASDAQ. That'll pretty much get you, you know, a, mm-hmm. a pretty good reflection. But what I always tell people is look at the Wilshire 5000. That's an index, top 5,000 securities. That's pretty much – and it'll have your, you know, big comp- capitalization companies, small. Yeah. Um, kind of has a conglomerate of everything. So that's what I typically look at. Is the Wilshire 5000? How about you guys? Well, that's definitely the most broad. Most of the time, I just refer to the Dow Jones because when you look at, when you see the headlines, when you see the articles in the newspaper, everyone refers to the Dow. And the, yeah. and the Dow is the overall general market, even though to your point, it's only 30, right. 30 of yeah. the stocks, right? So it's really not nearly broad based enough to be reflective of the market as a whole. To your point, the Wilshire, even the Russell 2000 are, are yeah. far more indicative of what the, yeah. the market as a whole is doing. See, I, I think that it really depends on what you're trying to learn. The way that I learned it was the, the S&P 500, so the 500 biggest companies, that's kind of a, an indication of the overall health of the market, uh, whereas the Dow Jones is an indication of the trend. Because all it takes, and there have been quite a few times in the last few years where you've had uh, everybody pretty much flat except for one company, like an Apple, for example, that they're just having a banner day because of something, and the entire thing is way up. So that's the problem with that. It's a trend. It kind of shows you where the market is going. S&P is more for health. I'm with you. The Wilshire 5000 that's that's a much better one to look at when you're looking at everything. Yeah, part of the reason I didn't know how many stocks were in the Dow is because I don't even pay attention to the Dow. Yeah. To be me yeah. personally, I don't even look at it. I know it's the one that's advertised the most. S and P's probably getting there more yeah. now, um, but I don't even look at the Dow because I just don't think it's a it's a true re- reflection. Of I the couldn't even tell you specifically what all the thirty stocks are on it right now. I know I, I know a, a few. Of them, I, I mean, I mean, you know, you you know most of them yeah. just you oh, know, yeah, by, you know by name recognition, but yeah, I know they just changed out one not too long ago. There's and you have to have you have to meet certain requirements to stay yeah. in the, uh, mm-hmm. the Dow, and they just moved one out. I think they moved uh, General Rick, Electric. General Electric, yeah, they fell out. Yeah, yeah they've they been fell there out. since like the '40s or something. Yeah. They were they were a mainstay. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, yep. so that tells you how much we watch the Dow. So in other words, <laughs> if you really want to know, uh, you know, maybe what you should be watching, take advice from. Uh, you know, and look at some other indexes. All right. Uh, so this is one that was pretty interesting. I thought that at the low in 2009, which is actually oh, like yeah. March 29th, I believe. Yeah, I was think the that's low, right. right. March 29th. Well, I thought it was 2020. Oh, we talked about 20, 2009. Yeah, yeah. 2009. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it was March 29th. Um, at the lows in 2009, we were essentially where we were in 1996. Yep. Mm-hmm. So. And one, one other piece uh, that I'll say, if you go to uh, Yahoo Finance, because that's one that's pretty generic. It's mm-hmm. a good one, yeah. And at the very top, you'll see, it'll say the S&P, the Dow, and then there'll be several indexes. You got gold and silver and currencies and things like that, too. But if you click on the S&P 500 and then click on a chart and click max, you'll see it goes all the way back to January 1st of 1950. And you'll see the S&P 500 from that time period, 1950, mm-hmm. all the way till th- today. The interesting thing is, if you go back and look at the 2000.com bubble and the 2009 real estate bubble, if you look at that, the little humps are getting a lot smaller. 
So as, as, as more of this market continues to outperform, those humps are getting smaller and smaller. Yep. Now, if you go back to, if you go back to uh, Monday, October, whatever it was, 1987, they call it Black, Black Monday, Black, I think, yep, Black yep. Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go back and look at it, you can't even find it. And everybody thinks, oh, that was a horrible day. And it was, by the way. Yeah. But you can't even find it on that you, chart. You need a magnifying glass to see it on the yeah, chart. Yeah, you can't even find it on the chart. It's too small. So with that being said, the last one I had, which is pretty interesting. I'm just going to stat and then I'm going to turn it over to Eric. Um, but the Dow, here's what they did during the Great Depression. Oh, yeah. It's, these are staggering numbers. You think, you know, in, uh, let's see, March of 2019, we were down. Or 2000, was it? Yeah. We were, or 2020, 2020, we were right. down 32%. It was, it was right, right around 33, 34%, depending yeah, okay. upon what index, but yeah. All right. So take that in consideration. Now we snapped back pretty hard, right? I mean, by Extremely April, hard. May, June, we were rocking and rolling yeah. right back to the top again. But if you, if you take those statistics, take this in mind in 1929, the Dow lost 17%. Okay. Not, you know, terrible, but not a horrible year. Right. But that was followed up by 34% in 1930. And that's 34% from that high. Right. So you're down 17, then you're down 34. And then in 1931, you're down 53%. That's basically cut in half. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's staggering. And then in 1932, it lost another 23%. So look at those numbers. I say take that in perspective because when the, you know, if we have another pullback and we're down 12 13%, it's okay. Yeah. Right. We well, don't have any numbers. Well, we, I mean, we have you know, well, a ten percent market correction is very, very common. Those happen almost on an annual basis yeah, every eighteen months for the most part. Average, and you yeah. start talking about bear market territory when you hit, you know, when it's down twenty percent. But that kind of sustained drawdown over a period of four or five years. I mean, you really need to appreciate how horrible that was. I mean, oh, how yeah. devastating that was really for our entire economy. And we talk about the American economy for the global economy. Yep. Um, it, it was just an awful, awful event. Yeah. So, All right, Eric. Well, Tell with that, yeah, so I, I had a few more things. So you mentioned gold before, and I think this was a, a pretty interesting stat because we – I don't, I don't know about you all. I've had to answer some questions about gold and, and trying to hedge against the market as sure. we're starting to see some, you know, we're back to all-time highs now, right? We were talking yep. about that earlier. And um, as you enter all-time highs, people become, you know, people are nervous when the market is dropping. But now that we're at all-time highs, people get nervous for a completely different oh, yeah, reason. Yep. It's kind of funny. Um, but I, I saw some of these stats around gold versus the stock market. And gold and the Dow were both at 800 in 1980. So today, gold is worth $1,700 an ounce. The stock market, or the Dow Jones, is near uh, $32,000. Or actually, it's over $32,000. Yeah. So since 1980, it's, there's no question what's been a better investment since 1980. However, mm-hmm. over the last 20 years, gold is up 340%. Stocks are up 208%, including dividends. You can go get advice. You can go hear stats. You, there's all kinds of numbers. You know, wh- wh- what's, the, 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 what's the phrase? There's lies, damn lies, and statistics, right? Yeah. <laughs> I can create any kind of narrative. I can create any kind of story I want to with, with whatever stats that I want to use or whatever stats I have at my disposal based upon, you know, the, the, the time frame. Yeah. Whatever dates I want to right. plug into the, yeah. my comparisons. So, you know, I, I fielded a lot of questions about gold. We're getting a lot of it, this about Bitcoin right now as mm-hmm. well. That's another hot oh, topic. Yeah. At some point, we're going to have to delve into that in a little bit more detail. But good luck getting that yeah. to compliance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we have to figure out a way to to, to, yeah, to, right. to do that, right? Yeah. Good luck. Um, yeah. No, no recommendations on that, by the way, one way or the other. But 
it, but but yeah, you just need to be careful when you see commercials on TV or you, you hear you know quote unquote facts or, or statistics things like that in the news. You want to be careful about the date ranges that you're looking at because traditionally over the long uh, over over the long haul, gold has not necessarily been as good of an investment as the stock market. Now that doesn't mean gold's going to have a bad year. Gold could outperform the stock market this year. Sure. And and maybe even the year after that. So things change different, you know, the, the performance of different asset classes is going to change over the years, right? And that's why we build well-diversified portfolios so we're not putting all of our eggs in one basket, so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. So a, another stat that I saw that was really interesting, since 1980, gold is up 153%. Inflation is up 230%. Yeah. So gold, though, most of the time, is sold as a hedge against the stock market and a way to keep up with inflation, and that really has not traditionally right. been the case. Uh, over the last, oh, gee, 40 years, nineteen eighty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to date myself because I was born in 81. So uh, talk about your big birthday. I got yeah. a big birthday coming up this year too. Um, so one other, uh, in, one other stat that I found really interesting, if you had invested between 1960 and 1980 and beaten the market okay. by 5% each year, you would have had less money than if you'd invested from 1980 to 2000 and underperformed the market by 5%. So if, amazing, you were, if you were one of the best investors from 60 to 80 over that 20-year time frame, you did not do nearly as well as a bad investor from 1980 to 2000. All that to say is really the most, it, it's kind of funny that the best indicator of how much investment success that you're going to have over your lifetime is based upon what year you were born in. Yeah. How old you are. Right. Because you can't control the events. I mean, we talk about the Depression, right? What happened in the Depression, I mean, you can't control that. It doesn't matter how good of an investor you were. Your, your portfolio was destroyed, right. <laughs> um, you know, over that four or five-year time frame. So a lot of the uh, – all that to say is sometimes most of this stuff is just out of our hands. It's out of everyone's yep. hands as in regards to how much your portfolio is going to perform. It would be interesting to get the, that same statistic from 20 to 20 – or from – 2000 to 2020. Yeah. Right? It would be interesting to have that. Now, this was, I think, we looked so at it 2019, this is I think. March of 2019. Yeah, March. Yeah. So some of the statistics for 2020 are not in there, but it would be interesting to see how, you know, how different investing from the year 2000 to the year 2020 would be compared to those two. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll be, you know, look over the next 20 years, it'll be even more different than the previous three 20 year periods. It's just, just, you know, it's just how it works. So, uh, anyway, uh, any, any other comments anybody wanted to make on any of this? And let's. Um... No, the one thing that I would add to it is, you know, Eric had a great point a minute ago when he was talking about statistics. When you are looking at different statistics, you need to keep in mind what the person that's putting those statistics out is trying to accomplish. Because depending on the windows of time that you use, it's really, really easy to twist things in a certain way. So just be cautious. Yeah, I mean, I even shudder sometimes when clients or prospects ask us about our performance numbers because there's so much that you need to put in context when you share some of those numbers that I, I really don't even like to talk about that yep, too agreed. terribly much because, yeah. you know, and, and plus whatever we've done going, you know, in the past can change on a dime. Going Absolutely forward, right. So. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Well, listen, uh, what kind of wrap up day shows? Remember, if you want a copy of this, uh, it's not a sheet of paper. It's actually a link uh, there can get you, um, but just send us your uh, contact information. We'll make sure to get that to you. If you want that time magazine, um, it's like a trifold yeah. piece, but I actually have it electronically. I don't have it updated, but I'm sure we can get an updated version maybe through, you know, through 2020. 
but we can get that to you. Uh, no problem at all. Just send us your contact information, and we'll make sure you get it out. Uh, make sure you tune in every week. Uh, we do these every uh, – well, we're doing them every couple of weeks, but um, – uh, we may start ramping that up if I can convince these guys to uh, to do that. That's, that's the beauty of a podcast. That we is right. We do it whenever we want to do that's it, right? right? Uh, and just yeah. so you know, right after this, we're shooting another uh, version of our Connecting the Commonwealth, so make sure you tune in uh, to check that out. And then we started another Got podcast. A new one, yeah. Uh, a new uh, podcast that we're going to start this week. Uh, we've shot several – got six episodes, yeah. and we're going to start to release them. It's called Burgers and Bourbon. It's really, really cool. It has nothing to do with finances, so if you don't want to hear us talk about – I don't know, estate tax and life statistics. insurance and all There's that no stuff. Statistics <laughs> no statistics. No statistics whatsoever. Well, no, we give – well, anyway, you'll have to tune in to watch it. Uh, where we review burgers, local hamburgers and uh, bourbon, so make sure you check that out. But uh, anyway, we, we like doing this kind of stuff. Make sure you tune in. And, uh, and, and uh, Eric? What's contact some, information? Yeah, contact information. Or uh, just how, how to <laughs> – I, I never get that right, so <laughs> – what is it? Check us out on our website, fwppartners.com. Uh, make sure if you're watching on YouTube, uh, you know, subscribe. Hit the little red button there in the corner. Uh, subscribe to our content so you'll be the first to hear about anything new that we post. Uh, like us on social. Follow us. Uh, like, subscribe, rate, review. Perfect. Have a good week, everybody. Thanks. The information given herein is taken from sources that IFP Advisors, LLC, Doing Businesses Independent Financial Partners, IFP, IFP Securities, Doing Businesses, IFP, and its advisors believe to be reliable, but it is not guaranteed by us as to accuracy or completeness. This is for informational purposes only, and in no event should be construed as an offer to sell or solicitation of an offer to buy any securities or products. Please consult your tax and or legal advisor before implementing any tax and or legal related strategies mentioned in this publication as IFP does not provide tax and or legal advice. Opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and do not take into account the particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs of individual investors. This report may not be reproduced, distributed, or published by any person for any purpose without IFP's express prior written consent. Securities offered through IFP Securities, LLC, doing business as independent financial partners, IFP, member of FINRA and SIPC, investment advice offered through IFP Advisors, doing business as IFP, a registered investment advisor. IFP and Family Wealth Planning Partners are not affiliated. The information given herein is taken from sources that IFP Advisors, LLC, doing business as IFP, IFP Securities LLC doing business as IFP and its advisors believe to be reliable, but it is not guaranteed by us as to accuracy or completeness. This is for informational purposes only and in no event should be construed as an offer to sell or solicitation of an offer to buy any securities or products. Please consult your tax and or legal advisor before implementing any tax and or legal related strategies mentioned in this publication as IFP does not provide tax and or legal advice. Opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and do not take into account the particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs of individual investors.